Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. understand that we serve a we serve a God of divine appointments how many of you believe that I mean sometimes you know you'll be someplace and no, why am I here you'll be going somewhere and you're like I know I'm supposed to go this way but why am I going this way I should go to that store because it's cheaper why am I going to this store I should go to that gas station because that's where I always buy gas but I'm going to end up at this gas station God is a God of divine appointments God is not a God of, of that's a coincidence. I believe it's a Godsidence, but it ain't a coincidence. God's got a plan, he's got a map, and he's looking for people that will follow him. So I believe that we serve a God of divine appointments. In February of 2009, I was on staff at a church up in All Good, Tennessee, large church, about 3,000, 3,500 people, something like that. And uh, we had a large staff. And one of the things my pastor always did and, and, and was real good about was um, if, if somebody in our church congregation, again, it was a large church, if somebody in our church congregation uh, had a loved one that, that passed away, he was real good about making sure that there was um, a pastor at every one of those funerals. And it really didn't matter where it was at. And so there was a couple in our church, and they were in one of the ministries that I was over, and uh, the lady uh, the, the, of the couple that was there, her, her mom, her mom and dad and family lived out in El Paso, Texas. And in February 2009, her mom went home to be with the Lord. And the pastor called me in the office, he says, uh, he says you're going to the funeral. He says, so uh, he says, let's go ahead and get your ticket booked. He said, now I'm not sending you on vacation. He said, I need you to get out there and get back. We got things we need to get done. I said, yes, sir, I understand. So it was a quick trip. I remember uh, I flew out of Nashville, Tennessee at about 11 a.m. Uh, on one day. I arrived out at El Paso, Texas around 4 p.m. Uh, somebody picked me up from the airport, drove me straight to my hotel. I ran into the hotel, splashed some water in my face, put a suit on, had to do my hair, but you know that was quick, and uh, <clears throat> put a suit on, ran out the door, jumped back in the car. They took me to the funeral home. Go to the funeral home. Pastor does the funeral. After the funeral's over, uh, that we go back to the to the house of the families, and uh, they had all kinds of food there, and, and you know we're eating and we're talking, and me and this pastor got to to talking, and next thing you know, we're sitting over in the corner, and everybody else is over here doing their thing, and he and I, man, we're just having church. We're just having one of those those divine appointments where we're just talking, and. Uh, the next morning, I, you know, I didn't get home back to my hotel until probably about 12.30. Uh, the next morning at 7 uh, a.m., I had to be at the airport, so they picked me up around 5.30 a.m., got me to the airport, flew back to Nashville, was back in Nashville from 11 a.m. 24 hours, I made a round trip to, trip to El Paso, Texas. But that, that time with that pastor was, was time that transformed my life. This was February of 2009. The name of the pastor was Pastor Charles Neiman. He has a 
large church out in El Paso, Texas. And as we sat there and we, we got to talking and he asked where I was from and, and he was asking me about, uh, uh, you know, why in the world would your pastor send you all the way from all good Tennessee out to El Paso, Texas? I said, well, my pastor is a man of prayer. And I said, I'm, 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 I'm a minister myself and I know God is stirring some things in me. And I said, I know that it all is birthed in prayer. And he said, you know, it's interesting. He said that you mentioned that. And he said, because I just wrote a book. And he said, I want to give you a copy of my book. And so he, he went out to his car and he grabbed one and he signed it and he came in. And he gave me a book. And the title of the book is Becoming a Master Aster. And he said, I hope this book is a blessing to you. So he gave me the book. And uh, again, we, we talked for a long time. I went back to my hotel, went to sleep, got up the next morning. And uh, got to the airport, and I'm sitting there waiting on my plane. I just start reading the book. They call for my number. I get on a plane, and I'm reading the book. Man, I get to Nashville, Tennessee. The book's almost half read. I, I get in my car. I drive home, unpack everything, uh, get up the next morning. I got to go back to the office. Man, I'm just reading this book. I mean, I finished the book in just a couple of days, and, and I went back through that book and highlighted so many things. So that was in February of 2009, and in September of 2009 is when I left the church that we were on staff at. Actually, it was October. I take that back. It was the 1st of October. I left the church that we were on staff at, and we started the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge with Upper Cumberland, which was a ministry that God told us to start birthed in prayer. When we started the ministry, we were getting our curriculum ready, what we were going to be teaching the students. And one of the classes that I knew I was going to be teaching on was a class on prayer. I taught that same class for 14 years at Adult and Teen Challenge because the people would come through and they would stay for 12 to 14 months and then go on. And I had so many that would come back two and three and four years later. Uh, Pastor Houston Jared told me just the other day when we were talking, he said, Pastor, he said, your teaching on prayer, he said, changed my life. He was on staff, and we went through with our staff. We went through Master Aster as a staff. And so when I started uh, the, the ministry, I called out to El Paso, Texas, to Charles Neiman. I said, Pastor Neiman, I said, I don't know if you remember me. I said, my name's Tim McLaughlin. He said, all good, Tennessee. I said, yes, sir, that's me. He said, friend, how can I help you? And I said, well, I said, I started this ministry. I left the church, and I told him what the ministry was and what we were going to be doing. And I said, uh, how much would it cost me to order about 10 of those books, Master Asker, so that I can use it for our students to teach? He said, don't worry about it, they're on the way. I said, well, Pastor, I don't mind paying. He said, no, sir. He said, it was a joy to get to meet you. He said, they're on the way. A few days later, I got a package of 24 Master Asker books with a note. And he said, brother, he said, I could tell when I met with you. He said, you're a man serious about prayer. He said, I pray that this is a blessing to you and your ministry. He said, it's seed sown. Listen, this, this book, and it was just one of the books that really got me started when I started thinking about prayer. But the reason I want to talk to you about this and the reason I tell you this whole story is because this morning I want to share with you uh, something that this book taught me, this and other books, that I want to impart into you. This morning, I want to tell you 10 words that will change your prayer life. 10 words that change my prayer life. 10 words that will change your prayer life. If you have your Bible, go with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And when you get to James chapter 4, stand for the reading of God's Word. And I want to talk to you about 10 words. 
Brother Eric, you just, man, you, you get there quick. The rest of them are still James. It's in the back, New Testament. Hebrews, James, okay, all right, hallelujah. James chapter 4, praise the Lord. Couple people still, all right, I'm, I'm going to wait till you get there. I, I, somebody told me, I said, you talk so fast. You can tell that I'm, I lived in Tennessee, but I'm not from Tennessee, because if I was from Tennessee, I would talk a whole lot slower. Everybody got it? James chapter 4, verse number ten, 2. James chapter 4, verse number 2. Ten words. You do not have because you do not ask. Seriously, Pastor, is that what you got for us this morning? Oh, let me just tell you, it changed my life. It'll change yours. You do not have because you do not ask. Father, I thank you again for this wonderful day. I thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, I thank you for divine moments that you've given me throughout my life. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Charles Neiman and how he sowed into my life, into my ministry. I thank you for others, Lord, that I've had the privilege to meet in, in my, my short time in ministry. Lord, you've just, I've had such God encounters for people that have done so much to pour into my life. And Lord, I'll be honest with you, there was times where I didn't really understand why until I have moments like today. When I get to share with these people, when I get to minister to these people, Lord, I never knew that I'd be pastor in this church. I never knew that I'd even live in Perry, Georgia. But Lord, you knew in 2009 in El Paso, Texas, the path that I was on. And Lord, you gave me an opportunity to learn some things that, Lord, not just to keep for myself, but to pass on to these today. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint my tongue, anoint my lips, help me to speak the oracles of God just the way that you've laid them in my heart, and be with each one that's here today. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord would say to them today. And Father, help us to understand that we have not because we ask not. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. R.A. Torrey lived from 1856 to 1928, and R.A. Torrey wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. It's not a very big book. It's a uh, matter of fact, I think it's probably only maybe 20, 30 pages or something like that. I think um, I've read it multiple, multiple times. I, I go to it uh, usually in January when I'm fasting and praying. I will pull out R.A. Torrey's book, The Power of Prayer, and I will read that to remind myself that when I'm not at the table eating, that I'm in my prayer closet feasting. Three of you got it. When I'm not at the table eating, I'm in my prayer closet feasting. The power of prayer. There's power in prayer. R.A. Torrey in this book uses these same ten words to give the secret of the poverty and powerlessness of the average Christian. Listen to me. People that do not have a hold of these words, people that do not grip this 
Scripture are impoverished and powerless because of their prayer life. I'm going to tell you, I've said it. This is like the third week. You're just going to have to deal with it. But it just did something. When Miss Chris told me, she said, Pastor, I want to get to the point where I pray, and it happens. I just I kicked into a new gear when it became study. Because all Christians should understand, we have the power. I don't know who it was. Somebody walked in the back door. Uh, yeah, I do. It was Miss Allison. I'm going to pick on her because she, she was hurt. Her and Debbie were out there talking about me. So you're, you're both on my list today. But she, she walked in, and, and I don't even know what it was. She said, she said something about uh, the power. I said, oh, I, I've got I, She said, what was it? You said, I, I need the power. I said, I've got it because he works through me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The reason I can say with confidence that I am his vessel, that I know that when I pray for people, that I know that I, I believe that things are going to happen, is because I understand the power of prayer. There are people that are impoverished spiritually and powerless spiritually because they have not grasped the power of prayer. Why is it that so many Christians don't make good progress in their Christian walk? Don't raise your hand. Just keep smiling, looking forward. Nobody will know that we're talking about you. But I just want you to think about this. Have you ever thought... Why do I feel like I'm in the same place spiritually today that I was at five years ago or ten years ago? Has that thought ever came through your mind? Why am I not growing spiritually? I go to church on Sunday morning. I'm usually there on Wednesdays. I'm thinking about the whole Sunday thing, Sunday night. Why am I not growing spiritually? Because you're not grasping a hold of the power of prayer. Why is it that so many struggle with getting victory over sin in their lives? You ever thought about that? Why do I struggle with the same sin over and over and over? Why is it that so many Christians are not soul winners? Can you even think of, can you even remember the last time that you led someone to Jesus? So think about these questions. Why am I not making progress in my Christian walk? Why am I not getting victory over sin in my life? And why am I not a good soul winner? And the answer is the same for all of them. It's neglect in prayer. You do not have because you do not ask. It's quiet in here this morning. Maybe that's why I talk fast, because the silence is deafening. Why are churches closing all over this country? Why is Christianity decreasing at such a rapid rate in this country? Why are people starving spiritually in this country? Pastor, how do you know that they're starving spiritually? Because they are turning to the schemes of the devil. Homosexuality in the LGBTQ movement is, is, is growing. Hate crimes are growing. Why? With so many churches in this country, why 
are all these things on our growth? Because people are spiritually inept. I didn't show up Tuesday night at the city council meeting to start an argument because that's the last thing I want to do with any city officials. I didn't show up Tuesday night to, to try to get my picture on the front page of the paper. Actually, when I saw it yesterday, I thought, oh gosh, Lord. Okay, there's other things I'd rather be on the front page. That was not it. I showed up Tuesday night because I believe in this prayer. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. But the problem is people don't want to pray. See, we get to this meeting and they want to start talking about, well, we can't let you use the stage and we can't let you use our sound equipment because if we let you use it, then we've got to let the, the Mormons use it. We've got to let the Muslims use it. We've got to let the Hindus use it. I got up there. I said, let them come. Let them come. A couple of the pastors looked at me like I'd, my head was spinning. Pastor, we don't, we don't really want them there. This is a Christian event. Let them come. Because when they come and the power of God begins to move in our prayer meeting, we'll see them Muslims, we'll see them Mormons, we'll see them homosexuals get saved. Because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that we can change cities. I believe that we can change nations. I, can believe, I believe that we can change this church through prayer. Is soul winning and outreach important? Absolutely. Is discipleship important? Absolutely. But prayer is where it all starts. That's where it's birthed at. You do not have because you do not ask. I want you to go with me on a journey real quick this morning in the book of Acts. Acts is the story of the inspired church. Now, I don't know if you've got bookmarks or fingers or whatever, however you need to do it. I'm going to take you to a couple passages. Uh, you can write these down, and you might want to study them out later. But this is the story of the first century church. All right? First, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church daily. Now, if you can write in your Bible or highlight or underline, the Lord added to the church. When I see things like that, I have to ask the Lord as a pastor, Lord, what is it going to take for you to add to this church daily? Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Man, I love the sound of turning pages. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. However, Many of those who heard the word believed. 
and the number of men came to about 5,000. Many of those who heard the word believed. Why did I get up Tuesday night and say, Mayor, council members, the Perry Ministerial Association helps transients to go up and down this interstate with hotels, food vouchers, gas vouchers, and other things. Because we believe in our city. If the Mormons, the Muslims, the Hindus, and anybody else wants to complain, tell them to put their money where their mouth is. We give because we know that it's good seed into good ground, and we're praying over that seed, believing for a harvest. Harvest is coming, folks. Many who heard the word believed. But how shall they hear, Romans says, without a preacher? Well, pastor, I'm not a preacher. No, but you're a proclaimer because you've been saved. You've got a testimony, and you need to tell somebody. Well, pastor, I'm not bold enough. Pray. Pastor, I don't know what to say. Pray. Pastor, I don't know who to say it to. Pray. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were increasingly, increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes. I love that word. Multitudes of both men and women. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes. One more. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly. The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Why is it important that we pray? Why is it important, Pastor, that you would go to a city council meeting just to get permission to stand on a piece of grass and pray? Because I'm not just going to a piece of grass to pray. I'm going to a piece of grass to change my city. I'm going to a piece of grass to preach the good news. I'm going to a piece of grass to see people's lives transformed. I didn't come to Perry, Georgia to sit inside these four walls just to paint walls and add light bulbs. I came to Perry, Georgia to see people set free, get saved, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and to change our community. But it starts in prayer. January of 2021, my wife and I fasted and prayed for 21 days, and the Lord said, transition I had no clue that I was going to end up in Perry Georgia January of 2022 the Lord began to speak to me harvest is coming harvest is coming 
You can write that down and you can remind me in December. Harvest is coming. Now, I could keep taking you to scriptures all day because there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And we can see the same thing over and over. But I'm going to let you meditate on those four passages. People are being saved. People are being healed. People are being delivered. And the church is growing. And many people will say, well, yeah, pastor, but that was then. This is now. Write this down. Don't turn there because I don't want you to lose your place in Acts. But Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus was the same in the book of Acts in the first century church, I think Jesus is the same today in this church. And if he could multiply then, he can multiply now. But Jesus is looking for people that will pray. Yeah, but, man, the church is under such opposition in the United States today. Really? Have you read your Bible? I mean, they were beaten. They were fed to, to animals. They were speared and lit on fire. I mean, I don't know about any of you, but I don't think that they crucify anymore. I don't think you have any fear of, of being speared and set on fire. And somebody says, well, aren't you afraid that somebody could come through there and shoot you like they've done in others? Well, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I would miss my, my wife and I actually got into this discussion two days ago. Because I, I just asked her, I said, what do you think about death? She said, well, I don't want to do it anytime soon. I said, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. But what do you think about when you think about death? She said, well, I think about the people that I will be leaving behind. I said, yeah, that's, that's good. She said, I think about you and I think about our children. And she said, I, that's what I think about. That's why I don't want to die. I said, I, I got you. And I just sat there for a second. She goes, well, don't keep me in suspense. What do you think about when you think about death? And I looked at her and I kind of grinned. I said, well, I said, I got good life insurance, so I know you and my kids are taken care of. And I said, I know that y'all are saved, so I'll see you again. I said, but the thing I think about is this. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. <laughs> so I don't care. Because what you're going to do to this body, it doesn't matter. I don't want people coming in here and shooting because I don't want you to have to see it, but this is the reality. I don't fear death. I don't fear persecution. I've been persecuted most of my life. We need to pray, church. We need to pray. You have not because you do not ask. If you want victory, if you want growth, if you want revival, if you want miracles, pray so let's go back to our disciples Acts chapter 2 verse 42 Acts chapter 2 verse 42 Acts chapter 2 verse 47 go to 242 because that's why I told you but 247 says, so this is, this is after what I'm getting ready to read to you in 242. After 
says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Why did the Lord add to the church daily? Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. Acts 2.42, they were praying. Acts 2.47, the Lord multiplied. Y'all see that? Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 24. Acts 4, verse 24. So in Acts 4, 4, it says, Many of those heard the word and believed. Why did they hear the word and believe? Acts 4, 24. So when they heard, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's within it. They raised their voice in one accord. Look at me, please. I love you. I don't know if you believe that, but I love you. I pray for you daily. I've said this before, and I tried to say it to kind of antagonize you a little bit, but it didn't work. If you show up on Sunday mornings, you love the church. If you show up on Wednesday nights, you might like the pastor. But if you show up to prayer meeting, you love Jesus. We had 16 last night. Many of you have come to me and said, Pastor, I like what you're doing. Man, this is great. God's taking us in a good direction. When are we going to start doing outreach? What about missions trips? Da, 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 all these things. My question is, where were you last night for prayer? Well, I was at home praying. They were in one accord. They were all in the same room. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 says the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were being done. Many signs and wonders were being done. Many signs and wonders were being done. Because they were all in one accord. See, listen. It's not for me to do all the laying on of hands. It's for you. Thank you, Brother Mel. It's for you to be in one accord. It's for you to walk in the power. It's for you to desire the anointing. It's for you to say, Pastor, what can I do? How can I get involved? Can I start a prayer meeting? Can I be involved in Bible study? Pastor, what can I do to grow spiritually? They were in one accord. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. The number of the disciples multiplied daily. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Because they gave themselves continually to prayer, they grew. Because they gave themselves continually to prayer, they grew. Well, I know churches that are a lot bigger than this, and they have a lot more people than this, and I don't know that they did 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't know that they even pray near as much as you do. Remember I've told you about this. There are some places out there that are 10 feet wide and 1 inch thick. 
I'm not concerned about 10 feet wide, but I'm concerned about 10 feet deep. God's got some place, man, I want to I know more. Because a shallow church will crumble. A deep church will last. Harvest is coming. A true apostolic ministry is a praying ministry. A praying church is filled with praying people. Such a church can achieve anything that ought to be achieved. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. So let's go back to my friend Charles Neiman. Charles Neiman says the problem is that many were taught growing up, don't ask. How many of you, your parents said, don't ask? Anybody? Yeah, don't ask. You were told as kids not to ask people for things because it may sound impolite. Or you were worried about being a burden to somebody else, so you didn't ask. Or we think that if we ask certain questions, then people are going to think that we're stupid. But I believe the old saying is true. There are no dumb questions. See, the problem is not asking. The problem is not only that we're not asking, but what we are asking for. Look at what James says in James 4.3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, part of the problem is that some of us just don't ask. The other part of it is when we do ask, it's all about me, 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 me. Gimme, 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 my name is Timmy. Lord, I want, want, want. So some of us don't ask, and then some of us ask amiss. The word amiss means in an improper or faulty way. Our love for personal pleasure drives our improper asking. We are called to be a blessing to others. I shared with you throughout the whole month of December, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed and highly favored. If all we ever ask is for something for ourselves, then we're asking amiss. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. Say, that's me. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill. Now, I don't know if Perry set on a hill, but spiritually, spiritually, we're getting there. A city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket. Well, Pastor, can't you just have National Day of Prayer inside the church? Just invite everybody here. I'm not putting it under a basket, folks. But on a lampstand. If they're not going to give me a stage, I'll stand on a box. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. Miss Joe gave me a great idea this morning. She said, Pastor, she said, every Sunday morning I go to McDonald's to get me a cup of coffee. But it's not so much about getting me coffee because there's coffee out here for me to get. But it's an opportunity for me to go and invite someone to church. So I'm going to go to McDonald's, 
And I'm going to ask McDonald's if there's any way that we can print a coupon on the back of our business cards, Life Church on one side and McDonald's coupon on the other, so that maybe somebody can get like a free small black coffee. I don't know if they'll do it, and if we got to pay for some, we'll pay for some, whatever we got to do. But listen, if Miss Joe can go to McDonald's and let her light so shine before men that they may see her good works, that she is glorifying her Father in heaven, and she can buy somebody a small coffee and invite them to church, I think there's something there. Let your light shine. We are called to be a light in the world not a lamp unto ourselves. We're called to be a light to the world, not a lamp to ourselves. No blessing of God comes to stay with us. It comes to us to be shared with others. If you've been blessed, that blessing is to share with someone else. If you've been blessed and you say, Pastor, I can't tell you how long ago that's been, well, maybe it's because you didn't share the blessing. See, whatever we ask for must be motivated by the desire to pass along the blessing to someone else. Our lives, our family, and our church would we be radically changed if we will get a hold of this concept. That whatever we ask must be motivated by the desire to pass along the blessing to someone else. If you would get a hold of that, that you must be motivated by the desire to pass along the blessing to someone else. It will change your family. It will change your life. It will change this church. We are blessed not just for ourselves, but to bless others. We receive based on our motivation for asking. We cannot allow envy, covetousness, or competition to influence our asking. When we learn to ask first, then ask properly second, we will begin to see miracles, transformations, growth in our lives and in the lives of others. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Can I say this? And I'm not trying to change the word because you're not to add to or take away. I believe that I can say this and God would agree with me. He who prays sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who prays bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we look to sow, when we look to give, and when we look to pray for others, it comes back to us. When we look to sow, when we look to give, when we look to pray for others, it comes back to us. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. So often we take the approach of not asking because we are afraid of what the answer will be. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever not asked because you're worried about the answer? Well, let me help you out here. Because many times people are afraid of what the answer they're going to get. Can I tell you this? You already don't have an answer, so you better ask. You already don't have an answer, so you better ask. It's kind of like, well, what if he says no? Pretty much it's already no because you haven't asked. So quit being afraid. Does God really say no? Yeah. 
for your best interest sometimes or for the timing because it's not in his timing yet, he may say no. Don't get your feelings hurt. Keep asking until you find out what it is he's asking you to do. Well, I don't witness to people and pray for their salvation because I think that everybody that, 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 you know, has to get saved. Listen, I don't just pray for people and witness to people because every person that I've ever prayed with and witnessed to that got saved is still saved. Because some are not. But some are. Not everybody I've prayed with and led to Christ has stayed saved, but some are. So I'm going to keep on keeping on. Not everybody that I've prayed for for healing and asked God to heal them has been healed. But some are. So I'm going to keep on asking because others need it. We have to ask. Pastor, why do you pastor the church? I've asked myself that. Lord, why did you call me to pastor a church? Because I really like the evangelism. Don't take this the wrong way. Don't get offended. I'm just, I'm just in, a, I'm in a mode today, okay? I like going to a different church and looking at different people every Sunday. It was kind of, you know, blow in, blow up, blow out. Let that other guy take care of it. Now I'm the one cleaning up. But I don't pastor a, ch a church because all are sheep. Hear me now. I don't pastor a church because all are sheep. Some are goats. Who are you talking about? I, that's between you and just okay. But I pastor a church because some of those goats may become sheep. But I have to ask. Luke chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. I'm almost finished. Some of you are looking at your watch. I, I can see it back there. Don't, all right. Luke chapter 6, through, verses 9 through 10. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks, everyone who asks, so why are you not asking? Everyone who asks, receives. Yeah, but I didn't receive what I asked for. It's because you probably asked amiss. But if you'll get in this word, and if you'll line your prayer life up with this word, if you'll ask according to his word, and if you'll ask for the benefit of others and not so much for you all the time, you'll start receiving the answer that you went in to pray for. See, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do whatever God can do if we ask. Did he just say that? Yes. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do whatever God can do if we ask. I believe that the devil stands and looks at the church today as a whole and laughs. I believe the devil stands and looks at the global church today, definitely the church in America today, and he laughs. Churches build big buildings with popular worship teams, and they attract large crowds, but they're powerless. So it doesn't bother the devil. See, a church without prayer can have everything else and still be a powerless church. 
But when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in the power of prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, that causes the devil to tremble. When you show up on a Saturday night to pray, the devil trembles. When you say, I'm not going to eat this meal, but I'm going to go into my closet and I'm going to feast, the devil trembles. The reason I say it all the time is don't give the devil the satisfaction is because he has no authority over my life because I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. I'm going to pray. See, my Father, the Holy Spirit that lives in me, they speak to each other because I pray. And he tells me, son, brace. You're going to need to. Son, move. It's a good time. Son, give. It's good seed. Son, do, because I've anointed it. Pastor, do you really hear from God every day? Every day. Really? I read my word every day. And every day, through his word, he speaks to me. And he'll speak to you. Prayer has much to do, as much power today, rather. Prayer has as much power today as it did in the book of Acts. Why? Because they understood dominion. I talked to you last week about dominion. They understood dominion. God has not changed. His ear is just as quick to hear as he was then for the voice of the prayer warrior. One last question. Let me ask you this. How many of you, either you or your spouse that you're sitting next to, but how many of you have the keys to your car? So you're trusting that when you walk out there and you put that key in, or maybe you push the button because it's in your pocket, depending on how new your car is. But you got to have the key in your pocket to push the button. How many of you will admit that you've got to your car before, maybe you're running late to work or something, and you got to your car and you didn't have your keys? That's a lot of y'all. <laughs> Do you understand when the keys are in the house and you get to your car, you have no power? I mean, that key, that car sitting right there, that V6 or that whatever it is, that V8, you know, if you're one of those driver gas guys like me and Brother Eric, I mean, you know, it, whatever power that thing has, However quick it can go from zero to 60, it doesn't really matter because you don't have the key. But when you have the key, you got the power. Key to prayer, or the key is prayer. That's Prayer's the key. If you want power, Pray. If you want to get to your car and make it home today or make it to the restaurant today, make sure you got your key. Because when I lock the church, I'm not coming back. I'll probably laugh at you on the other end of the phone and say, see you tonight. No, I wouldn't do that to you. I, I wouldn't. I might. I'll be honest. <laughs> Pastor, I don't understand why all this is going on. Do you pray? Pastor, I don't understand. You know, why do you pray? Prayer is the key to the power. All that God is and all that God has are at the disposal of praying people. 
but we must use the key. How many of you are believing for souls to be saved this year? I'm believing for 100, actually 99 more, because we've already had one this year. 99 more to get saved this year. How many of you are believing for the church to grow? How many of you are believing for a true awakening? Yet we have not because we ask not. Pastor, you're trying to give us a guilt trip for not praying last night? Yes, absolutely, positively. Because we need to pray, church. If you want your life to change, pray for the church. Because you're not praying amiss. You're praying for others. Prayer is the key. The praying saint can do anything that God can do. And as God can do anything, your prayer is omnipotent, all-powerful. But in order to, to see the power, I've said this time and time again, Nike didn't coin the phrase, Jesus did. Just do it. You got to pray. You have not because you ask not. We need to be in one accord. We need to pray. Don't tell me, show me. Don't be religious. Show me the fruit of your relationship. You do not have because you do not ask. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. Ask. Pray. Use the keys to the kingdom to unlock the promises of God. 21 days of fasting is over. But Paul said, pray without ceasing. Never stop. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.